Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory, where for those of you looking at a video clip, I have covered myself in old glory for USA versus Iran, less than 24 hours away. Brett, I am having a hard time thinking about absolutely anything else in my life right now. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know what, man? We, we just need another 91st minute, don't we? Like, just we need it. Like, everybody needs this. Am I wrong? I need it. Do you need to tell oh. me? I mean, of can, course you're not wrong. You, I take it in the first minute. Take I, take it, I take it in the first minute. I take it in the twelfth minute. It doesn't have to be the ninety-first minute. If we get a ninety-first minute goal, that's excellent. I just hope it's the winner. I hope it's not a consolation uh, that we just kind of hold on to until twenty twenty-six. But we'll get to that game all in a minute, Brett. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, this happens in the blink of an eye. Here we are on Monday afternoon after uh, today's set of games. And today's set of games actually marks the halfway point of the World Cup. There are 64 competitive ma- well, 63 competitive matches that will be played and the third place game, which is an abomination and should be ruled out. But they are <laughs> going to contest it, so we'll count it. So 64 matches that are going to take place, 32 of them are in the rear view, and 32 of them are still ahead of us. So, I, Brett, before we do a huge deep dive, into the U.S. Iran game, which I am, as I said, having a hard time thinking anything else about. I want to turn it over to you for a second. And halfway through the competitive fixtures we're going to see, is there anything that surprised you? Or is everything that you thought before the tournament still what you think today? Uh, I would say that France has definitely surprised me a little bit. I mean, obviously, it seems weird, like one of the most talented soccer nations on the earth saying they're surprising you. But like, Deschamps taking his foot off the gas um, and just how good they've looked like an attack. Um, I definitely thought they were going to be one of the more vulnerable teams. Um, So the fact that it like pretty much looks like it's a collision course between them and Brazil, um, it was a little bit shocking to me. I definitely thought there was some chances for some shenanigans uh, with some teams making a dark horse runs. Um, I also, uh, you know, we had talked about this beforehand. Maybe it's not surprising, but I, I guess maybe I was optimistic. But the state of some of the games have obviously left a lot to be desired. Um, obviously, we, we've been on with Sal, and he's happy because he had his nil-nil draw over it. Um, but I, I was I was hoping that the midseason stuff wouldn't have that big of an effect. Um, but it's very clear that these teams haven't played well together. They're just trying to get organized defensively. And some of these matches have been particularly brutal to watch. Um, like anybody who watched Mexico, Poland, that isn't Mexican or Polish. I hope you can purge that from your memory. Um, so, yeah, I think that it hasn't been like shocking or surprising. I, I guess it's just been more disappointing to see that kind of be the the reality of some of the states, some of these game matches. Yeah. Yeah, I would join you in saying that France has been a pleasant surprise. I mean, we, we covered this a little bit last episode, so we don't need to rehash the ground. But they're lapping the field, not just their group, but the entire field. 
and attacking prowess, like non-penalty XG. They're averaging 3.32 a game. The next closest to them is Germany at, at 1.89. Mm-hmm. So in terms of attacking uh, quality, they are just absolutely dominating this tournament through two games, which I don't think we thought we were going to see with a DeChamp squad, but with that much talent, it's kind of shown through no matter what their manager handbrake is. Uh, I think secondarily, and I know this is where underlying numbers are going to disprove my point, but there's only three teams that are three right now. It's France, Brazil, and then it's Portugal. I don't think uh, Portugal entered the tournament as the team that you thought you know would be the third to go through to the knockout stage. But despite what the underlying numbers said, like results don't lie, right? There's only three teams that are, that are absolutely going to advance, and they're one of them. So I think uh, we're not going to talk about them today because they're already through. But the fact that Portugal looks like, you know, legit contenders for the semis and a puncher's chance to make it into the finals is a little bit surprising to me, given the quality elsewhere in the world uh, compared to them. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the thing about that is I'm still not sure how good that group is. Um, like Uruguay's got some talent. Like, obviously, we talk about Dar- Darwin Nunez a lot in our Premier League show. Um, you know, Cavani and Suarez are names. Um, Rafael Bentancourt is a pretty good midfielder. He's definitely done a lot for Spurs. Um, but they just haven't looked great. Um, and as you'll see in a little bit, you'll I'll be betting on them <laughs> despite that. The cognitive dissonance there. Um, and the like Ghana and, and uh, Korea, like, haven't really you know, been super impressive. So I'm kind of wondering basically the context of of Portugal, like to me, Brazil completely shutting down uh, Switzerland today. It's like a way more impressive group stage win uh, than anything that Portugal has really done. So I I don't know. I mean, I I, I definitely thought maybe there's going to be some creakiness. I definitely thought missing Yota would leave them vulnerable uh, or Jota. I don't know how the exact pronunciation is as per usual. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious now because they they obviously have a very good expected goal differential in their group. And after today's matches, they've obviously advanced already. Um, so there's a lot of things that could point to them. Maybe, like you said, making that sleepy or sneaky run up into the semifinals. Um, but I'm still like mostly underwhelmed with that group more than anything. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing I would note is, you know, the lack of surprises that we have seen. Um, and I'm not just trying to pat us on the back, but like, you know, kind of consensus going into this tournament is it was Brazil and it was France, uh, and Spain that were kind of like a little bit stood ahead as long as well as Argentina. Argentina obviously gets that shock in the first game, but they come in and write the ship in game two. They still are went away from leading their group. And then the teams that we were down on, you know, Netherlands and Belgium, they haven't been impressive. Uh, even things like, hey, Japan's a live dog in that Germany and, and Spain group. That's come to bear. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think our preview was fairly spot on, and I know it's going to fall apart going forward. I know all of a sudden that we're going to be looking at some sort of unpredictable final. But I think these teams thus far over two games have kind of proved to be who they thought we were, who, you know, who who we thought they were to begin with. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I patted myself on the back for both of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Belgium has looked particularly bad. Um, probably that's even worse than I think we were down on them. We were both down on them. And I think they have disappointed more than we actually thought. Um, but still, that group, we said Group F was going to be like any result could have come from Group F. Um, and it definitely kind of looks like it's still that way. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I guess maybe that's part of the reason why in general, um, some of this stuff has seemed a little bit more underwhelming. It's just like, there hasn't been any cool, super fun upsets other than maybe like Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, but then they lose to Poland, like then Saudi Arabia, like advancing isn't like this great feel good story, given that their country also has some pretty serious issues too. Um, but yeah, I, it's been, it's been remarkably kind of tame, uh, but the quarterfinal, or I mean, the knockout rounds could be a different beast. This is kind of the thing too. We we did talk about this in our previous show with Ryan that maybe the group stages stay a little chalky, um, but here in the knockouts is maybe where we see something happen to France, uh, some weird stuff happen to Brazil with Neymar out. So there's still hope that we could get like a little bit of a topsy turvy ending to all this. Yeah, I mean, I think that is like one of the beauties of there being a little bit of a chalky of a group stage. Every one of those knockout games. From you know, from the last the last fifteen competitive plus a third place match, it's going to be an absolute banger. I mean, if a team like Costa Rica is not going to slide in, and there's not going to be somebody who's going to drill their opponent in that round of sixteen, it's just going to be a lot of powerhouse matches versus powerhouse matches. And I would say one thing about the tournament outside of France, kind of looking uh, surprisingly good on the offensive end nobody's been like, oh my God, that's a prohibitive favorite. Like there's no way anybody's going to beat them. Even like, you know, Spain beating Costa Rica 7-0, that was on relatively modest XG and they just, you know, had excellent finishing that game. So I don't think anybody has absolutely trucked the field. So once we get to that knockout stage, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of awesome matches to discuss and the results are going to be far less predictable. Yeah. And I mean, and really like, even if everything stays chalky and we get France, Brazil in the final, like that is going to be one of the best world cup finals that we'll ever see. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can really make this like a really fun, entertaining run in. Um, even if it stays a little chalky, I mean, like I know that I will be, absolutely loving every minute of, of a, a world cup final between France and Brazil with how good they've looked. All right. Okay. So a little bit of an overview of where we're at through 32 games, the halfway point, but let's get to the only game that really matters in my heart. <laughs> we have tomorrow, tomorrow on November 29th, 2022, the United States of America versus Iran Tuesday at 2 PM. Uh, this is the most important game the USA has played, and I, I don't know, since the knockout round against Belgium in 2014. It's obviously the most important game they will play until June of 2026, uh, because almost certainly we're going to be auto-qualified for the next World Cup. And, you know, continental titles don't really aren't as impressive in the CONCACAF region as they might be compared to the Euros or the Cup of Nations or whatever it might be. So this is it, Brett. In a lot of ways, this is the one match that us as U.S. fans have to really cling to uh, in the next four years unless we win. So I think from my background and from everything I've ever said on this show, it's very obvious who I'm going to select no matter what my reasoning, no matter what the numbers say, no matter what the rationale. So I think the real betters out there better hear from you first. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the disappointing thing is I think I'm going to end up taking the draw. It's the coward's way out, but like, I have a lot of respect uh, for this Iranian team as far as like the soccer on the pitch goes. Um, You know, we've talked about Mehdi Taremi. He's, he's really good. He has had so many shot and goal moments in the first couple of matches. 
I still think that you could say with the way that Harry Kane is just look like zombie Harry Kane out there and how your boy, um, and I, I hate to say this, but how your boy Rasteem Raheem Sterling might be uh, washed um, <laughs> is I think Terim is probably the best attacker in this group. Um, and he, and the way that this team can hurt the U S is the same way that we've seen them get hurt and qualifying, which is they are going to sit back. They are going to defend. We know the U.S. is not great at breaking down teams that sit in a low block and defend, and they have three really good attackers um, in in terms of their captain, uh, Jahan Bosch, or I think it's maybe it's a hard J, Jahan Bosch, um, and then Sadar Asmund, who plays in the Bundesliga. Um, those are three really good attackers, especially for the international level of soccer. Um, and then Taremi being the best one in the group, obviously, is just icing on the cake for them. So... I kind of see this being just a really frustrating match where the U.S. maybe chips away and, and gets a goal, um, and then uh, uh, Iran gets one right back on a counter. So um, the draw at plus 250, I believe, is if my odds are right. Now you can correct me on that. Um, the draw at plus 250, like it just seems like every other match, if this is played, this ends in a, in a tie. Um, yeah, I know that's disappointing. I know that's not where your heart is, but that's just, I think where my head is going. Yeah. So I'm, it was so obvious who I was going to pick. I forgot to give the odds out at the top. So let me go ahead and do that. The USA is plus one Oh five over at Caesars. Iran is plus two seventy. The draw is plus two thirty. So the coward's way out that, uh, our cow, our favorite coward is going to pick We're getting two thirty on that. <laughs> USA minus 0.5 is uh, plus 100 over at Caesars, and Iran is minus 130. So, uh, yeah, the draw at plus 230 for you, Brett. Obviously, I mean, I'll do my chant at the end. I'm not going to break everybody's ears quite yet. You know it is coming. I'll hit you with a surprise attack later. But let, let me actually talk tactics here for a second. So against, against England, I think the United States showed both a control in the midfield and a control in defense. Like they took over that game in a wildly unexpected way against one of you know five six best teams in the world. They were the better team on the pitch on Friday. Would you do, would you agree with that? Yeah, no. I, I again, there was a, this is nothing to knock the U.S. performance against England. They they were really good. Still quibble about the starting eleven um, as far as personnel, but not in, as far as the way they set themselves up. Yeah. So if they can play that way against England and they can play that strong of defense and they can play that strong of midfield, uh, I and because of the way the results are lined up, right? Like the USA has to win. Iran is probably is looking for a draw. Uh a win would be gravy, but they're almost certainly going to look for a draw, which is one reason that your bet mathematically is sound. So I did want to have you talk about one thing from a betting perspective in terms of tactics. Um, the USA, I think, is going to have the opportunity to have the majority of the ball in this game, which is an unusual position for them, right? Like even against England, when they had a strong midfield and had a stronger defense, they still lost the possession battle just because one of tactics and, and secondarily because of England's quality. So America at this time is going to have the reverse position. They'll probably have 60, maybe even upwards of 70% of the ball. Uh, can you explain to our audience a little bit who might just be joining us for the World Cup and and hasn't sat through all of our Premier League dribble, uh, what the term park the bus means. So Iran is most likely to set up in a heavily defensive formation, which is known as parking the bus. So why don't you explain that a little bit to our audience, and then let's talk also about how do you counter a parked bus and whether the U.S. can do that with their personnel. 
Yeah, I mean, so parking the bus is obviously made famous by your boy uh, Jose Mourinho. Um, it's just that they're gonna they're gonna defend deep, so that um, the Iranian team is gonna play basically what's gonna look like a what's called a four five one. So they're gonna have four defenders, a flat back four. They're going to have one defensive midfielder and then their wingers and central midfielders will be in another line of two. And they're basically going to defend with the, with that personnel. Like they're going to have at least nine guys behind the ball. Maybe the striker even it drops deep enough as well. Um, and they're just going to try to compress space and they're going to make the U.S. sit outside on the, pl- on the flanks, try to play in hopeless crosses that their defenders can clear away. And then when they get the opportunity, break into the space that maybe like Serginio Dest or Anthony Robinson leave as they come forward to try to join the attack. So it's just like, it's this, the underdog strike. It's the underdog type strategy. It's definitely like kind of the savvy gamesmanship type 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 strategy when you need to draw either in like a second leg of a match or in this case to advance out of a group or a, a knockout round, a second leg of a knockout round, whatever. So this is definitely going to be like just, the ultimate defensive type of shell formation and the U S is going to have to find creative ways to pull defenders out of space and get good, high quality shots, which is something they struggle to do. Yeah. So traditionally, how would a team counter a parked bus to get a much needed goal? Uh, employ someone like uh Lionel Messi. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it, a lot of this is going to be um, uh, kind of doing, uh, having good coordinated movements that, pulls defenders out of their banks of four that gets people pulled away, leaves space for run runs in. And then you're going to need someone. And this is, this is a match that screams out for Gio Reyna because you're going to need someone that has creativity, flair, and vision to just play a ball that matches a really sneaky run and unlocks the defense for a high quality shot. Like it, it's, yeah, I th- Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think the U S is uh, back forward is pretty well established, but there's a lot of questions in both midfield and attack in this game. So how do you think the U.S. should set up knowing that Iran is likely going to park that bus for as long as it's going to take to the U.S. to score? Uh, I mean, I, I think we both agreed on this, but that 4-2-2 um, or like 4-4-2 or whatever you want to call it that, that they played against England, I think that should be their formation. I think that's the way that they should play um, the whole time. Do I want Haji Wright starting that striker in that formation? Not particularly. I would have preferred Brandon Aronson, but I do think like that formation, but with swap outs of someone like Aronson, someone like Raina, guys that are going to be much more helpful with their movement off the ball, with pulling defenders out of space, uh, with maintaining possession, keeping the ball in the final third against Iran. Like those are going to be the guys that we want. So that similar formation with Aronson, maybe instead of place of right or with Reina, depending on his fitness and place of right, that seems like the no brainer because they played really well. It gave Weston McKinney a ton of freedom. If we remember his big shot, his big chance in the box against England, that was he was starting on the right flank and he came all the way over from the left side to get free on a run in the middle of the box. That's the kind of like fluidity that they need to unlock a park bus. So are you saying play Wea through the middle or are you saying actually play Aronson or Reyna like up top in a false nine? I think playing one of those two in a false nine with a lot of freedom to move um, because Reyna is by far their best technical creative player. I know Pulisic gets a ton of love, right? Like plays for Chelsea is the most visible U.S. star for the most part. Um, but Pulisic's thing, like the thing that he's good at is like making runs into space. Like when he plays for Chelsea, you can you can tell fans better than this 
than I can because you've watched him, you know, every match that he's played for Chelsea. Um, but that's his thing. Like, he's not a guy that like plays like an unlocking pass or like Vinicius Jr. Who's going to dribble through like four people and then shoot into the box. Like his thing is just making really smart, calculated, well-timed runs into the box. Reina is the actual guy that with the ball at his feet is the best technical player the U.S. have. So I think putting him in a role where he doesn't have a ton of defensive responsibility other than some sort of pressing when the ball's try if, if uh, Iran tries to play out of the back, but where he can move into spaces and play balls into dangerous areas, I think putting him up top with Weah, with you know the same kind of pulisic McKinney, like wide play that they had against England, I think that to me is definitely going to be the best option. Okay, so you just described, you know, what they're going to face, who they should face it with. I don't know if we think that um, Greg is actually going to go with that lineup, Greg. so you don't get to control that. But from your pick at the beginning, you just don't think the U.S. will be successful. You know how to, you know what they're going to face. You know how to break it. You just don't think they have the people to do it. It's really, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a game that I think sets up to be kind of like a coin flip, where I think they're going to have to finish chances that are you know, pretty going to be pretty low quality, uh, which they could do. Like they could easily score three goals. Like they could pile on 12, 15 shots and maybe they're all from outside the box, but they hit a couple of thunder bastards in. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're advancing through, but you know, so far against Wales, like they only created six shots, which is really worrisome. Other than the way a chance, there was definitely not like a good clear cut chance that they created. And I think they're going against a better, more organized defensive side. So it just definitely gives me like a lot of hesitation to think that this is something that they're going to magically do. USA, 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 USA. I told, I told you, I told you, I don't care about your reasons. I don't care about your facts. I don't care that you're a doubter. I don't care that you're a hater. (laughs) I am taking the United States of America at plus one Oh five to win this match. I am taking them to send us into the next round. I am taking them to send the sport in this country into the future with a giant rocket up its (laughs) I'm sorry, Michael. You're going to have to bleep that out. I don't care about everything you have to say, Brett. This is ridiculous. We know how to do it. I don't care. I don't care. I'm sick of hearing you doubt the boys in the stars and stripes. We are winning this match tomorrow. I believe that we will win, Brett. Uh, It's going to be really hard for me to to throw out my prop bet after that speech Uh, because it's definitely not an American player to score in any time of goal. Oh my God. Wait. So just for, just for the listeners, just to recap, uh, you took England clean sheet win last round. You've taken a run from the beginning to advance over the United States. You have lost each one of these things so far. I mean, Iran can still advance, I guess you somehow have looked at all the numbers and said, I stand with tyranny. I stand. I, I with do. The I support the I totally heard it here first. I, you heard it here first. Brett Coromitas stands with the Ayatollah, words out of his own mouth. A hundred percent, because I like Mediterranean as a soccer player. It definitely means that I support that regime. hundred percent. So so I, on the other hand, am accused uh, quite correctly of being a shill. I am accused of being with the boys uh, in the Stars and Stripes no matter what. But somehow I am beating you in World Cup betting so far. So where what is it? Is it just these numbers? Are you just have a blind spot? to the United States because you just want to be contrarian or do you really believe this is going uh, to be the result? Because we know what I believe. I'm going to flip this. I'm, I'm going to flip this around on you. All right. 
how much, with what degree of confidence do you feel like our boy Greg Berhalter is going to put us in the best position possible to succeed tomorrow? Yeah. All right. Fair play to you. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence that Greg is going to play the lineup that you put forth. I think playing Aronson or Reyna in a false nine in a do or die match, which is the most important match that America is going to play in you know a 12 year span is something that he's going to have the cojones to do. I think we're probably going to see Haji Wright again. And I think we're going to see a lot of lumped crosses into the middle and we're going to hope that his size makes the difference. And I'm not overly excited about that prospect. But I don't care, Brett, because I believe (laughs) belief is what matters here. (laughs) Belief, belief is what matters. I don't want to get caught up in American exceptionalism. I don't want to say that we have to be the best at everything in the world, but we are a highly industrial team. We are going to work our absolute tails off tomorrow. And I do believe this, despite, you know, what you say about Iran, I think we have the more skilled players on the pitch. So if we find a way to slither through for one goal, and if we get on the board, I do think we can hold them to a shutout. I can see the U.S. winning 1-0 here, you know, I don't know, four out of ten times. The rest of the times is a little, a little murkier. Um, and I also, if I'm going to take off my uh, Stars and Stripes for a second and put on my tinfoil hat, I also think it's excellent for FIFA if the U.S. advances. Uh, so, if there's a dangling leg in this crowded box, if there's a hand that you know might be in a natural position or might not, I would not be surprised whatsoever to see a whistle go the United States' way, because they are the host nation the next time. They have the biggest economy in the world and they are the biggest opportunity for future money for FIFA and getting them into the round of 16 behooves them in this particular match. So not only do I think we could do it for um, for competitive reasons, I think we could do it for nefarious reasons as well. <laughs> so so the one thing I'll do to rain on your prank, so I'll just get to my prop bet and let you continue to, <laughs> to tell me that I support dictatorships. Um, but no, I, I, so we love Pulisic. Obviously, he's probably been considered the best tagging player on the pitch for us. Uh, he has four shots and he's assisted three other ones. Taremi has five shots and he's assisted nine other created nine other Iranian shots. So, but, but so what, but so what, like, is Iran going to go on the attack tomorrow? No, I, I, you, you were asking for what my reasoning is. So my reasoning is I think that they have the best player on the pitch. And I think in a, in a match like this, that that does matter to have someone that just to me is head and shoulders better. Um, so, I mean, obviously going to take him as my anytime goal scorer, get that out of the way. So you can continue to berate me as being the next iron sheet, but no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why? But seriously, no, no, now, now I'm like, I'm out of stick for a moment. Do you think Iran is going to try to actively score tomorrow? Or do you think Taremi is that good on the counter? That that's yes, your, your bet because- I think they're going to be that dangerous because it, it's, it's, it's a total weak point for the U S like, right. Like their weak point is when they get in these matches where they have to try to create, because we know what Dest is good at, right? Like Sergio Dest is a fullback in trade, but that dude's thing is getting forward, trying to dribble into the box, playing balls in the box. He is going to be living the attacking third. And guess who's going to be operating on that left wing and all that open space when he's forward? It's going to be Taremi. So it's a, that is like a really dangerous soccer never really devolves into such one-on-one tactical matchups, but that is such a danger zone for the U.S. And all it takes is one clinical counter. They're down a goal and they are going to be so far behind the eight ball. Um, so no, I don't think that uh, Iran's going to come out. I, uh, Iran's going to come out and they're going to, they're not going to press. They're not going to like try to push the advantage and turn over the ball in the uh, U S final third, but the space that they vacate in the quality of their attackers 
is definitely worrisome given that we do have some deficiencies. And it's not like Tim Reeves has been amazing, but it's not like Walker Zimmerman's been inspiring a ton of confidence this World Cup either. So it just seems like a really dangerous thing. I almost wish that the U.S. was playing against a a better opponent that was going to have more of the ball because I think the open space transitional game would have suited them better than what we're going to see, which is them tilting the field and leaving a ton of space in the channels for another team to counter into. Yeah, I, I guess I mean, this is just where you know more about the game than I do. I'm just a sucker what, sitting on the couch and screaming into a microphone, despite what all the evidence suggests otherwise. Um, but like having the best attacker on the field seems to me to matter more when you're actually going to be on the attack. Like a, a counterattack, I agree that he can be dangerous, but counterattacking in some ways falls more down to opportunity, right? Like the ball bounces the right way and then it gets cleared out to the channel and then off and running they go. Like a guy with his skill level who might be the best attacker in the group, I would fear more if he was actually going to have the ball and they were going to be on the attack. So I, I think I am discounting him and his anytime goal scoring uh, opportunity here just because I think it would take, you know, not a lucky bounce, but it would take a certain bounce of the ball to actually free him into the scenario that you're describing. Yeah. But I mean, the same thing is like, obviously he one was a penalty, but he scored twice against England and England was better than the U S in terms of tilting the field. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think this game is going to come down to like a handful of half chances. Um, which sucks. Like I, I hate to think that that's going to be the scenario. I'd love it if like the U S just bombarded them with shots from start to finish. And all it was is just a barrage on the goal frame. But I do feel like with the way that the U S struggles to create and with the spaces that they'll give up, I think it's going to come down to essentially who is going to finish the iffy type of chances either on the counter or, you know, in the Americans final third, and, I, and that, to me, I, I just lean towards a better attacker. That's that's where I go. Yeah. All right, fine. We'll compromise. Uh, he can have two goals just like he did against England as long as the United States gets six, just as England scored that's against fair. I'll take that. Again, <laughs> I want that to happen. I want to be wrong. Ooh, I want to come back do you on the show. Do you? Yeah, I want to come do back you? on the show. I will be wearing my Respect uh, Iranian Women shirt just like the street girl today, the protester today. So... I want to see all that, but it's just that when you're looking at the nuts and bolts, the spreadsheets, Toby, the cold, hard data and spreadsheets, uh, it definitely kind of tells me that the U.S. might be in a crappy matchup right here when they really, really need to win. All right. Well, since we dug through the tactics so much, let me run through some props that I like based on the tactics that we're describing in this game. Um the under of 2.5 goals, you are going to pay a decent amount of juice. You're going to pay minus 155 on that. But I think the three most likely scores in this game by a pretty wide margin are nil, nil, one, uh, Iran or one, USA. Uh, I think, you know, maybe we see a two, but I don't, I doubt that we do. I don't think we're going to get to like a two, one again. I, as long as the U S is on the right side of that, I'd be happy to be wrong, but, uh, we're going to watch. We're not going to watch the beautiful game tomorrow. We are going to watch a trench war is what we are going to watch tomorrow. Yep. Uh, so the under on goals, even with the juice, I like. Um, even if you want to go crazy, if you want to bet on 1-0 either way or nil-nil, because I think those are the three most likely outcomes, under 1.5 goals is up to plus 190. Uh, both teams to score, another way to attack that is minus 130. Uh, now let's get into, uh, Brett, you know, one near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Corner bets, baby. Yeah. 
Uh, so when we're going to see a bunch of lumped in crosses and desperation defending and things like that, balls getting headed over the line, entering the cycle where corner after corner kind of happens as the U S got into like, you know, that 60 to 70th minute versus England, they started to get into the stretch. So you can take over 9.5 corners for both teams at plus 100, or you can take the one I really like USA at over 5.5 corners. You actually get a plus number, a plus 115. Uh, they had seven in one match so far. They had five in the other, and they are going to have way more of the ball in the defensive line that Iran's going to take leads itself a lot more to corners than either the Wales or England tactics uh, dictated in the previous game. So I love USA over 5.5. I love plus that's a great, that's a great, great bet. Obviously I'm not like you and my first thing is not to look at corner bets, but I, I love that bet. I, I definitely think um, like God, if anybody's playing DFS tomorrow, Pulisic is like a lock on nailed on starter. Cause it's going to take all those set pieces. But um, I definitely think this is going to be a match where they are going to be just pumping balls into the box. They will be deflected left, right, and center. I could see the corner count getting over nine or 10 for the U S especially if they're down or needing that goal, it's nil nil at the end of a match. Like they will just be firing every ball they can in and deflections will take it out. That is a great, great bet. Yeah, well, quarters isn't the first thing you look at because you're too busy printing out pictures of the Ayatollah and drawing heart emojis. So I know you don't have yeah, enough time really to do both. You should see you my art, the first one. You never support my art. God. <laughs> uh and yeah, and, and desperation on both sides creates corners, right? Yeah. And, and America yeah. is going to be extraordinarily desperate to score a goal, and Iran is going to be extraordinarily desperately defending. Yeah. So I th- I do think we'll see a lot of corners in the match, and I can't believe you're getting a plus number. Um, if you're really a zealot, USA clean sheet win at plus 210. Iran to score no at plus 135 if you think it might end up nil-nil, um, and you want to make sure you, you get at least half of that. And then let's get to my my favorite three from a fun perspective. We talk about the 91st minute. We talk about that game versus Algeria where it was absolutely, you know, heartbreaking to watch so much suffering. And then this moment of rapture at the end, the you can bet on when the first goal of a match will happen. And the three numbers I will point out first goal after the 30th minute is plus 110. First goal after the 60th minute is plus 450. And then the first goal after the 75th minute is plus 900. Oh, so you take that and let us know. Will that into existence? <laughs> so if you, if you think you're going to watch this match and you're going to suffer through it, and you're going to watch something that's really dull and that there's going to be this moment and God help us. It might even be a run on a counter as America throw everybody, including their goalie uh, up over the halfway line. Um, that is a tremendously fun way to counteract the suffering that we're going to go through as we sit through nil nil on the edge of our seats, biting off our fingernails. Yeah. I mean, what is Matt Turner's anytime goal scorer? I'd love to see that. <laughs> Allison scored against West Brom like two years ago, man. Bring him. He might come up to the box in the 91st minute, do a parlay of like a uh, 75th minute goal and Matt Turner scoring. <laughs> so I'm a millionaire. Uh, thanks to us. I figure you're a mouthpiece for them. So anything else the government of Iran wants us to know about this game? Uh, No, the guy over there is telling me that I need to stop talking about them. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, uh, Obviously, I mean, as I keep saying, this is going to be the biggest game in like a 12 year span that America plays in. Uh, I I will be out of my mind watching this. I've already called into work. 
Um, I might even have to call in Wednesday, win or lose. So we'll see how that goes. As I always say, <laughs> go out and find a crowd. Go out and find a loved one. Just scream your lungs out, whoever you're with. Uh, the American Outlaws is the official supporter group of the United States. If you go to their website, if you happen to be in a metro area, they will list where their official watch parties were. I was in Fort Worth for Thanksgiving uh, at my in-laws. I found the American Outlaw Bar in Fort Worth. Went and enjoyed the match with, you know, a thousand of my closest new friends. It's a tremendous way to enjoy this game and call in sick, call in dead, call in whatever you have to do. Call in patriotic. Just say, I am an American and I am watching this game and dare your boss to take the other side of that one. <laughs> but find a crowd and enjoy it in. All right. And so uh, we are going to talk about four other matches, even though that's the only one that matters. So we will be right back after this break where Brett will have some literature that he wants to share with you about the danger of women voting. <laughs> Your first bet with Caesars Sportsbook and Casino. It's on Caesars up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code C-Z-R-F-U-L-L and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer free stays, game tickets, experiences, and more. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Maryland, visit MarylandGamblingMDGamblingHelp.org or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. Or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, we are back. It's me and Sheik Corimanis here going to talk about four more games. 
Uh, first up is Poland versus Argentina, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Argentina is minus 215, Poland is plus 650, the draw is plus 650. Argentina is a heavy favorite in this game. Uh, the adjusted line minus one and a half goals is plus 135, Poland is minus 175. It's just a recap for everybody. Poland is actually the Group C leader with four points, Argentina is at three points, Saudi Arabia is at three. Mexico is at one. So nobody is qualified and nobody has been eliminated yet in Group C. Given the stakes that are here, that Poland, all they need is a draw to get their advance. But they come into this game as a heavy dog against Argentina. Which way are you leaning in this matchup, Brett? Uh, I do not want the adjusted spread. I'll tell you that way. Uh, that much. Um, I mean, obviously, it was, it was really cool to see. I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of, of Messi. Um, it was really cool to see them kind of dig out a goal against Mexico. Um, obviously, Enzo Fernandez had kind of added onto it with the the, the second one, um, but they that match was really dull. Um, very, 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 very defensive. Um, so multiple goals in this match seemed like a stretch um, uh, for e- either side. Um, so I I hate the number. But like Argentina outright seems to be where I mean, because you've told me you you are like the I told you have forced me into picking a standard line. I can't even do adjusted lines anymore. Um, you are my personal Ayatollah. Uh, but I, I think I'm taking Argentina on the money line. It's not great. I trust them to win. Um, I do not think Poland's very good. They were they they beat Saudi Arabia, but they're under the underlying numbers for that match. Saudi Arabia outplayed Poland. So that's where you're coming from here. Um, but I have not really liked Argentina's attack. I've not liked their setup. Um, they had Enzo Fernandez and uh, Paredes on the bench to start last match, which seems like a massive oversight considering those two are Argentina's two best passing midfielders. Um, so I, if we don't trust Greg. <laughs> the Argentinian uh, staff decisions have been even worse than that. And so... I can only go money line. That's all I can go. The, the the number I do love though is the under two and a half goals of minus one twenty five. That number I love. Money line gun to my head, which in our, our regime happens. Um, <laughs> it, I, I'm taking Argentina money line, but I mean, is is there something I'm missing? Is there going to be messy magic? Like talk to me, Toby. Yeah. So uh, one important note is uh, Argentina can advance with a draw. As long as Saudi Arabia doesn't beat Mexico or Mexico doesn't beat Saudi Arabia by three plus goals. So we're, I don't think we're going to see the same manic energy that we're going to see in, say, the USA-Iran game. And as a result, I'm with you. I can't take that adjusted number, but I also can't envision Argentina getting knocked out in this game. Yeah. I mean, Poland... Uh, we, we've talked about it in our first two shows that we talked about the World Cup. Like Lewandowski finally got off the snide. He got his World Cup goal, which is tremendous. I'd hate for a guy who's that good and that talented and that decorated in his career go his entire time without a World Cup goal. So I was very happy to see him get one. I don't think he gets a second one because everything that we've said about Poland remains true. Like they struggle in the midfield. They struggle with service. They've got this absolute Rolls yep. Royce up top and they don't really have the keys to drive it. Uh, so I don't think Poland is going to come out and you know pile on Argentina and there's since I don't think they're going to get you know more than one goal uh I absolutely think that Argentina is going to win this match and I don't have a better way to cut the odds than just playing that minus 215 money line unfortunately except for 
uh, a, a favorite bet, Brett, that both you and I went in heavy on last week, and we were happy to cash that yep, ticket. Messi. They, they, did, they did not adjust the line enough for me to not take it. Messi owning time goal scorer was plus 125 when we cashed it last time. It's only minus 105 here. As a reminder, he still takes penalties. As a reminder, he's still maybe the greatest player to ever walk the planet Earth. And as a reminder, this is his swan song. And I don't see him going out in this round without getting a goal and putting Argentina on his back. So I'm not going to play the minus 215, even though that is what I would select of the three options. I am absolutely playing Messi anytime goal scorer at minus 105. Yeah, and and the thing that we should point out too that might that's going to be different than the Mexico match is Poland does not have the midfield that even Mexico can roll out. Um, so like Edison Alvarez uh, and Her- and Hector Herrera are like in, like Alvarez plays for Ajax in the Champions League in the in the Air Division for the Dutch. Um, he's a really good defensive midfielder, and so they they can set they. Mexico was able to set up in a way basically to shorten this in, in a way Poland can't. So Me- Messi might legitimately be way more uh, likely to score and put shots on goal frame because he's not going to have the impediment that he had in the Mexico match. Now, Argentina hasn't looked that good um, in attack just in general. So I'm not like saying that there's going to be an avalanche of shots and goals. Um, but I definitely think that Messi will be a little more on the loose than he was in the last match. Yeah. Who uh, ultimately, who do you think makes it out of the group? I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Argentina and, and Poland. Right. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't really trust Mexico to get a result actually at this point. And they're fan, like, I wouldn't say they're fan. The, the managerial pressure on Mexico right now, it's not one that I'd want to feel. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like Saudi Arabia has been plucky, man. I, I don't know about that match. Like I looked at that. We were obviously not going to cover it. We're kind of sort of covering it by talking about it. Um, but they outplayed Poland. They obviously got a big result against Argentina. Like, could they beat Mexico? I don't know. Like I feel. Well, s- oh, good. S- well, since Mexico's number of goals in this tournament is the same as you and I have scored, it's zero. <laughs> and and their uh, non-penalty XG is only like 0.5 per match then yes, they could beat Mexico. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you, man. I I would not, I see that game mostly being a draw, but I would not be shocked if Saudi Arabia makes it out of group. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Mexico is going to conjure up a goal and beat Saudi Arabia, but I don't think they're going to score the three or four goals that they're going to need to actually advance. The best chance they actually have is like eking out a one goal victory and Argentina taking care of Poland, like three or four now to make up the goal differential. That's their best shot. And that seems like, you know, kind of an inside straight draw at this point. So given that I pre pre the tournament, I would have said Mexico and Argentina. I actually think it's uh, Argentina and Poland, despite going head to head in this matchup are the odds on favorites to get through. I I think, yeah, that's a hundred percent right. I could not agree more with that. Cool. All right. Well, let's see if we can find some disagreement in this game. But given the teams involved, I doubt we will. Uh, (laughs) Next up, we're going to talk about Croatia versus Belgium Thursday at 10 a.m. This is the most evenly uh, weighted draw by the odds for this round. It is Croatia plus 170, Belgium plus 160. The draw is plus 240. Belgium minus half a goal as uh, at Caesars at plus 140. Croatia is minus 180 to get a result. One other line I do want to throw out uh, because it's it's it influences what I'm going to take is if you want to take the draw, no bet. 
you can get Croatia at minus 110 and Belgium at minus 120. So that basically means if it's a draw, you get your money back. And otherwise, you get either side at basically even odds, which is a, one way that I like to attack this game. Uh, the In this particular group, Belgium's in trouble, Brett. Belgium's in real trouble. This group is Croatia 4, Morocco 4, Belgium 3, Canada 0. Canada's already been eliminated. So given that Belgium can go home without a win and that Croatia has been the much better attacking side of the World Cup so far with four goals and a brilliant response after that early goal by Canada, um, I I like Croatia. I like Croatia. It's it's not only that I like you know the finalists from last time digging deep and using their veteran experience and still talent even though they have – a little, they're a little bit long in the tooth to dig out a match. I'm also just fading Belgium. I've been fading Belgium since the draw. I've been fading Belgium since kickoff. I'm not going to stop fading Belgium now. Uh, they took a really heavy blow when Morocco came out and, and punched them in the mouth. Uh, Morocco is now excellent to advance, right? Because they are at four points and they're playing a, a Canada team that's already drawing dead. So any result from Morocco, they go through. And even if they don't get a result, they go through if Croatia beats Belgium. So if we, th- if I think, and I do, I think Morocco will get a result against Canada, either a draw or a win, this becomes an elimination matchup. And in this elimination matchup, give me Croatia over Belgium every single time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, thing, the thing for me is I feel like I, I don't, we obviously are on the same page with Belgium. I, uh, the reason, I'll put it this way, the reason I couldn't get to taking Croatia is I just feel like this is going to set up to be just a super cagey, like really conservative match from Croatia because they can still get through, obviously, with a draw. Like they draw, they're through no matter what Morocco does. I don't know if there's necessarily like a huge, I mean, we can tell we're going to talk about Group E here, obviously, in a little bit. If they win, if Croatia wins and Japan moves through, they would get uh, wins the group, they would get Japan. Uh, if it's going to be Germany and Spain that are coming out of group, like, is it really matter which one you play if you're Croatia? Like they're both really good, solid teams. It's not like particularly, maybe you want to avoid Spain a little more. Um, but I think after watching Germany, Spain on Sunday, like did we see much difference between the two teams? Not really. Um, so like, I just think that they're going to be very passive and very cagey. And with Brozovic and your boy Kova and Modric in that midfield, I just think they are going to absolutely control this game I think there's going to be a lot of passive possession and their attackers like Kramerik's pretty solid. Um, Orsic is pretty good, but like they don't really strike fear into my heart to the point where I'm like, yeah, they're destined to get a, a goal against Belgium. Um, so the draw plus 225, it just seems like this is just going to be like a play it safe, like get the point, get through the next round type of match. And Belgium obviously just don't have the horses to turn the result the other to the other way. So I I really don't want to give Belgium too much credit because they have been so disappointing. But this just seems like a match that's just set up to be super passive, super safe. I just don't really see too much of an edge taking Croatia as the winner. Yeah, uh, I think Croatia, for me personally, Brett has too much win equity to take the draw. Like Croatia's oh, yeah. a good team. Belgium, Belgium is off. Like I, I don't like the draw and I don't like the price 
on Croatia, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with the half goal so that, you know, you get them on the double chance, you get them tie or win. You have to play all the way to minus 180. That's why I read that other line that we don't usually read, read at the beginning. I'm going to take Croatia, draw no bet at minus 110. If you're right and they draw, then, you know, I push, no money loss. And if they get a win, I didn't have to pay all that way up to minus 180. Um, and I have my downside draw protection, and I'm happy to get it at minus 110. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's definitely I I think that that logic is is perfect. I I can like even you telling me right now is talking me into that a little bit, but like it just feels like this is going to be such a passive like nil nil boring match <laughs> with a bunch of teams that have a few like over over the hill players. Um, yeah, I, I, but I'm there. Like I can see it. I can see that. Trust me. Like that. That that was what I was vacillating between. Was a bet like that or just taking the draw outright? I am a coward, so obviously I took the draw. Um, but no, I can totally see getting there. I, I think that's definitely a really good bet. And I know this is going to be contrary to the analysis of Belgium, but I think uh, Belgium is struggling as a team, and the only way that they have any real shot is an individual moment of quality. Uh, and so as as a quasi hedge for this matchup, in addition to taking Croatia with the draw, no bet at minus 110, uh, if, if Belgium's going to get a goal, I could see it being off a free kick or off of one moment of brilliance. And they have one player who is still brilliant, and it's Kevin De Bruyne. So Kevin De Bruyne at plus 300, who will take free kicks for them, and he's one of the best in the world at it, who will pop up in the midfield on a late run, who will try to bomb some shots outside of the box when he gets super frustrated at Batsuai or Lukaku being unable to shake free of any defenders and just taking you know the game into his own hands. You could get him as an anytime goal scorer at plus 300. So that's what I'm playing in the prop market. Yeah, I, I'm just mine's gonna, not even going to involve a player. It's just going to be the same boring stuff that we've kind of seen the trend in the under two and a half goals minus 125. It's not a great number. Um, but like, again, if my belief is that this is going to be a real KG passive match, it's really hard to see three goals pop up from somewhere. Uh, I mean, definitely hard to see Belgium get to two. Um, and it's not like Croatia, like their midfield's great. Like Brozovic is super underrated, plays for Inter. Um, obviously, we have expressed our love for Kovacic plenty. Modric is in the perfect place for his aging legs in the World Cup. Um, but like other than that, I'm not, I don't really see them like piling on goals. Canada kind of fell apart against them. So I'm just going to stick my money, money in the same vein, which is in a different way. Cool. All right, let's get over to Group E, which has been, uh, in a lot of ways, the best group throughout the tournament, especially with Costa Rica being slightly better than we all thought and getting a result. We have Spain versus Japan, Thursday at 2 p.m. Spain is minus 240. Japan is plus 700. The draw is plus 330. Uh, the markets like Spain by a lot here, and so adjusting the number, Spain minus a goal and a half is plus 110. Japan is minus 140. This group stands with Spain tops at four points, Japan at three points, Costa Rica at three points, and Germany at one point. So similar to what we said in the other groups, this is one reason we're covering this game. No team has advanced and no team has been eliminated quite yet. So, Brett, you've already mentioned it. When we were uh, doing Spotify Live, we got a chance to talk about that game a little bit with Sal and Harry and and our wonderful fans that joined us. Uh, I didn't see much of a difference between Spain and Germany in that game. I thought both sides were really strong. 
Uh, I think it's a little bit crazy that one of them might go home here out of the group stage because I think yeah. they're two of the best six or seven sides we've seen so far in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it it really seems like it just sucks that I mean this. Well, this is that this is <laughs> this is soccer, right? The randomness of soccer. It really sucks that Germany had uh, you know weren't even thoroughly outplayed. Like they just had a really unlucky match against Japan and they lost. And now it's a must win against Costa Rica. And they have to hope that Spain, you know, gets a win here against Japan. Um, But that said, I do think that. um, So one of the numbers that we, we talk about, and maybe we have some new listeners, so we'll, we'll go backwards a little bit here, but one of the numbers that we pull out from time to time is called expected threat. So you hear a lot of us talking about expected goals. Expected threat is essentially the, um, the metric that kind of shows you how dangerous a team is without the actual shot that produces XG. So like passes into dangerous area, things like that. That's what like expected threat measures. So the one thing about Japan against Germany was they turned a lot, uh, they had less expected threat than, uh, than expected goals. So basically where they had the ball in that match, they did a really good job of turning those into good shots. So it was kind of lucky in that sense. So the reason I'm bringing this up is I think that that might regress a little bit against Spain. So it's what got me to Spain at minus one and a half at that adjusted line number, um, because I just don't think that like the counterattacking is going to be as effective because Spain is going to be way, way better at controlling the midfield than Germany is just because you're looking at Busquets, you're looking at Pedri, you're looking at Gavi. Like this is the Barcelona midfield Enrique has really made them look good in possession. So I just do not see Japan getting the same opportunities that they did against Germany because Spain is just so much better, I think, at playing that. And you have mentioned this this word before, defensive possession. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in this game. Um, And I just think that Spain is going to pile on the chances like crazy. Danny Almo has been really, really good for them. Um, it's uh, Enrique needs to take over the Red Bull job. Um, <laughs> so like, I, I really like it. Rod has finished well. Like, I, I just think that I think this match could be something where Spain is going to pile on a bunch of shots and score a, a few more than two goals for sure. Um, but I think this number can get to three or four as well. Interesting. Well, I, I, I don't feel strongly about this match, Brett. I'm not going to lie. I've actually, strangely, we're not covering it because we don't expect it to be competitive. I feel more strongly about Germany and Costa Rica. We just take every anytime goal scorer, every goal prop, everything you can <laughs> yeah, for Germany. Exactly. Because they are going to be absolutely blitzing the Costa Rica goal. Oh, okay. And I would like any piece of them scoring goals in that match. I think I don't think there's a bad bet that involves a high number from Germany. Because uh, they're chasing uh, yeah, the differential. I'm looking as well up as Rudiger's anytime goal scoring odds right now. So continue going. I want to have this number so our betters can have it. <laughs> I will. I will be betting your paycheck on it. Uh, <laughs> yes, you so should. For this, for this particular match, uh, I like Japan to stay within a goal. Uh, I I don't have as strong as analytical case as you just made. So you know, listeners, uh, head versus heart, which is a pretty typical decision you have to make on the show. But Japan has showed. Uh, Strong industrialism, strong work rate, strong defensive organization, and I just think they can keep it close. And their attack has been somewhat underrated and you know not supported by results, but they're averaging 1.15 xG per game. And Spain, despite you know that massive uh, goal blitz they had against Costa Rica, they're only averaging 1.66. So it's not like there's a wild disparity in quality of uh, chances that have been created thus far in the World Cup. 
And I don't know. I just I like Japan. I like them coming into the tournament. I think they're a team that that very much frustrates their opponents because you think you should be blowing them out, but you just never be, are uh, able to find a way through. And I'm not saying I like them to win. I'm not even saying I like them to draw, but I do like them to stay within one goal at minus 140. Yeah, I, and the one thing I, I will say about this is that uh, this is such a weird thing to say. Uh, oh, by the way, Rudiger is, is plus nine hundred to score against Costa Rica. Yes, so love it. People, put your money down. It's how he will be taking shots from forty yards out at least five times in that match. Um, but the the weird thing is, is like Japan is sort of, in some ways, you can make the argument they're better set up to hurt Spain than Germany is. Which obviously Germany is a better team. They have better attackers. Um, but like Ito is like a kind of a dude that like dribbles through, like that's how he like advances the ball up the pitch. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you maybe want to, like you could make a case for like would be trouble against Jordi Alba. Um, and even, uh, and even someone like, uh, Maeda, who's their like short little striker. Um, he's really quick and like really good at just shooting into space. Um, we're, we're behind a high line. Now he's not a great finisher and he doesn't get, get a ton of shots off. Um, but like, those like types of players like Japan has that Germany didn't. We talked about that with the Timo Werner thing. Um, so like I can see these arguments of like how Japan can stay in this match, how they can keep it close, how they can even create enough chances maybe to get lucky and win. Um, but I, I guess my trust is uh, in, in terms of like the Spanish possession. I just think they are going to be so much better than Germany was at just keeping the ball and keeping Japan pinned in that Japan's not even going to get the chances for those guys to hurt Spain. Yeah, so uh, so two other points on this, Brett, from a gambling point of view. Uh, one, I'm just using my prop bet to point out something that is kind of a macro thing through the World Cup, and that is the odds on no goal in the first half. For Japan and Spain, it's plus 210. Uh, do you want to guess out of the 32 matches that we've seen so far, how many games went into the halftime at nil-nil? Oh, God. Two-thirds? It's not quite two-thirds, but it's over half. 17 out of 32 games so far have been nil-nil at halftime, which isn't great for the neutral, which isn't great for growing the beautiful game, which isn't great for getting you know people that, that don't love it currently to join in on your passion. If you care enough to be listening to this show, I'm guessing you like watching. Uh, so it's not great a recruitment tool that so many games are going nil-nil, but it's great for gambling. Uh, the odds for this bet usually fall in like the plus 150 to plus 200 range. So I'm starting to view this as like a portfolio bet, just like blindly bet it every single game. And if you're getting plus 150 to plus 200 and it's hitting, you know, over half the time, then you're going to clean up. Uh, and I think Japan, Spain is a candidate for that just because Spain is expected to score. So the odds are juiced all the way up to plus 210. But with as frustrating as Japan can be and the incentives that are in place where Spain can win the group with a draw, that we could absolutely, you know, they can just pass the ball around the midfield a bunch, uh, not, you know, have a whole bunch of chances. It's not like they have amazing finishers up front. Uh, with Asensio starting and then Murata usually coming on. And so I like the odds here to get nil-nil. Now, the other thing that I would say, Brett, is this is an awesome game for live betting. Uh, yeah. Because after halftime, we're going to know the Germany-Costa Rica score, and we're going to know what has to happen in the second half. Say Germany does jump 2-0, 3-0 up on Costa Rica. Uh, Japan no longer can, pl- can play the style they're comfortable with. Because if, if, if as soon as Germany gets up uh, more than two goals against Costa Rica on goal differential, Japan no longer can go through on a draw. 
So now Japan has to go out and try to win the game. And now all hell could break loose. Like you want to know what makes me the most nervous about that, that goal and a half. It's actually not Spain's excellent quality in the attacking third. It's Japan trying to take the game to Spain and Spain just opening them up and scoring four goals in the second half. So if Germany does jump up early, please take halftime and please take an opportunity to look at the adjusted lines because Japan's going to have to completely change their style. And that has opportunities for goals on both sides at a much higher rate in the second half. Yeah, I uh, do. That's yeah, that's great. Toby's make out here making people money, man. I'm just I'm just here just shilling for the Ayatollah. Yeah, no, I'm here to root for the U.S. and make money. And you're here for hate speech and uh, and embarrassing <laughs> Suppression yourself. Suppression of so. women's rights, apparently. <laughs> uh, apparently. I, I I read your email. I was appalled. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't call it an email, Toby. That's that's my opus on the way that society should function. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Now people are going to start wondering what's true and what's fiction here. Uh Let's give everybody one chance to kind of sort through that. We're going to take one more break. We're going to talk Ghana, Uruguay. We're going to do the five pint, and then we're going to get you off to uh, start thinking about that U.S.-Iran game, which is where your head should have been for the last 50 minutes anyway. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, one more match to cover, and it is Ghana versus Uruguay. This game is Friday at 10 a.m. Uruguay is minus 145. Ghana is plus 400. The draw is plus 285. Uruguay on minus half a goal. Caesars has at minus 150, and Ghana at plus 115. Group H has been... Uh, somewhat chaotic throughout the entire thing, producing very entertaining matchups, most of them involving Ghana. Ghana is is the sneaky MVP of this tournament just for the games in which they've involved and how much fun they've been to watch both on and off the field given the supporters that are in the crowd. Uh, This Group H has Portugal already through at six points, so they get to put their feet up in the last match if they want. Ghana is at three points, South Korea is at one, and Uruguay is at one. So coming into the tournament, Brad, I think we both thought that Portugal and Uruguay were going to make it through. Do you feel any differently now? Do you still think Uruguay is going to advance? Or can South Korea, you know, nick a point against Portugal, who doesn't have as much to play for? Or are we actually going to see the Ghanaians dancing in the streets in some of the funnest clips that you can see on social media? Uh, I, I think that uh, I think the Ghanaians have gotten pretty lucky um, so far is what I'll say. Um 
I think that like the, the thing is, is you look up and down like their their roster, and there's good player. Like there's good players. Like you see names like IU. Like I mean, obviously Andre has been a little out of it, but Jordan IU still plays for Palace. Uh, Salisu who scored plays for Southampton. Uh, Muhammad Kudus who had two goals uh, in this last match here uh, plays for Ajax. There's another Ajax guy, promising, really promising young player. Thomas Parties in the midfield. Um, obviously Arsenal is at the top of the table in the Premier League and. Party plays a big thing for them, but the underlying numbers have just been not good um, for them. They have definitely are running hot right now. And I think the funny thing about this matchup is like, it's flipped where Uruguay has kind of been on the other side of variance. Um, but I mean, if you look at the ELO ratings, which I mean, that led me to the Dutch. So, I mean, I guess I don't know how much you want to talk about the ELO <laughs> ratings, but like Ghana is, is still ranked 60th in the ELO ratings. Um, Uruguay is, is 13th. Um, so there's a huge disparity between these two teams. And also like I mentioned some of the, the names uh, that Ghana still has out there, but it's, it is not, it is not Edison, even the older stage version of Edison Cavani. It is not Darwin Nunez. I would say that Bentoncourt is probably a more um, complete midfielder than Thomas Partey. Um, I, and I really like the way, too, that uh, Uruguay set up in this Portugal match. They didn't get the result, but the numbers were good. They actually outcreated. They had a better expected threat. Um, the penalty is going to skew XG, but I thought they were better than Portugal. Um, I agree. That should 100%. have been a draw, if anything. Um, if they roll out the same formation, which I think highlights their best players and puts them in the best spots, um, especially Nunez, who is their young, solid attacker, like the, the guy that's going to take the reins, you know, that, are, that have been passed down from Forlan to Suarez and Cavani to, to now him. Um, he needs to play as part of a two. So this bet to me, if they get the tactics right, if they get the starting 11 right, Ghana's in trouble. And I think Uruguay still comes out of this group. And I, I would go as far as to take the adjusted line of minus 1.5 at plus 205 to say that. Um, I just wow, think, I, I like it. I just think that Ghana has run really, really hot. I, I, it's a cool story. They've been kind of an overlooked team, but they definitely have just been getting lucky, even against South Korea. The field tilt in the South Korea match, so field tilt is another stat that we throw out here, basically talks about how much time uh, a team spends in the opponent's opposing third. So 71% of the match, South Korea had the ball in Ghana's opposing third. And that's South Korea. <laughs> this is Uruguay. Now that we're talking about, it's a big step up even from South Korea. Um, so I think they're in trouble. I think this could be a route um, if, if the tactics are right. Yeah. Well, you and I saw the Uruguay Portugal match the same way. I thought the Uruguay was actually the better team on the field. I wouldn't even say that the draw was a fair result. I thought Uruguay deserved a, all three in that match. Um, Portugal's goal came off of a, a shot that, oh, well, let's call it a shot, a cross that nine out of ten times, four out of five times, whatever the number is, does, definitely doesn't end up in a goal. I mean, Ronaldo goes up and jumps and misses, screens the keeper, and it goes in off the off the side net. So yeah. that wasn't, you know, an impressive showing to get to that goal. And then uh, the penalty, I mean, I don't know where the guy's hand's supposed to go. 
Like if he's going to ground like that and the, the guy did nutmeg him, but he's trying not to, you know, break his tailbone or break his back. Like where else is he supposed to yeah, put his hand? Yeah. And it was just completely bad luck that it hit it. Like if that's not a natural position to avoid bodily injury, I don't know what a natural <laughs> position is. Like what is more natural than trying to not hurt yourself? Yeah. I know I spend most of every day just trying not to hurt myself. I know <laughs> that it's the natural way to go through life. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think Portugal did anything all that impressive to, to get a goal. And the fact that they got two is extra fluky. And I thought Uruguay actually had the better of the chances and and did a job, good job in shot creation. So I see them winning this match. Um, I think it's interesting that Ghana is ninth right now in, in uh, non-penalty XG throughout the tournament, averaging 1.34. But I think what's more telling and what's going to lead into my prop is South Korea is actually 10th. Uh, at also at 1.31, so right behind Ghana. And the reason I bring that up is South Korea has played Uruguay and Ghana uh, yeah. thus far. So I'm not expecting a defensive matchup. Both teams need this to to make sure they advance. Ghana cannot be confident that they're going to advance on a draw. I think both teams have to play for a win. And when both teams have to play for a win that haven't been as good defensively, and uh, both you know kind of want to get on that aggressive attacking foot. I love uh, both teams to score at only, believe it or not, the yes is only minus 110. Yeah, so they're calling it a coin one. flip yeah. right now. They, they got in Uruguay, are both going to get on the board. And that's one of my favorite bets of the week. Yeah, I yeah I I had that one as one of my options. Um, but I, I'm kind of leaning into the, the whole, if they get things right, if we see the attack, I think that we saw, it's going to look a lot different against Ghana than it did against Portugal. Um, and I went a, a little different way. I went the over of two and a half team goals for Uruguay. So looking at them to get three or four is plus 265. And I really like that number because they are going to have to score. They're going to have to maybe worry about goal differential. Um, and like I said, I just think if they get the formation right, if if they have Nunez as part of a two-man strike team, like they did with today where they started in with Cavani, I think that is the best look they have. Throw a couple of wing backs on there, have that midfield like Bentoncourt control the game. You got Belverde making runs into the box. I think goals could come plenty because Ghana has not showing me anything that they're going to stop suppress shots. So yep. I, I like the team goal one, but I, I loved your bet too. I, it was basically between those two bets for me. All right. Well, it's between those two bets for you, but let's talk about your best five bets of the weekend in our five-pint pickoff. Actually, it's not the week. I'm used to say weekend for the Premier League. We got midweek action, baby. Uh, so we finally are able to settle up on the five-pint, even though I still have one outstanding for my six teams to qualify. All are still alive. Denmark's the only one that's slightly shaky in that group, although I guess Argentina has to win as well. But uh, through November so far, Brett, I am pipping you just barely. It is Toby 22.5 and Brett 20.8. Both of us have beat the big, big, beat the VIG, though, so we're both positive EV on the month. Uh, but going into this last set of bets to settle who's going to win uh, the November five-point pickoff, which we know is the greatest prize in soccer right now, who gives a hell about the, uh, the World, World Cup, Cup when yeah. you can win a uh, stupid gambling bet between friends. I've got five picks, and true to form here, I didn't back down. I decided I was going to put a majority of my pints this week where my heart is on the USA-Iran game, and I spread it out over three bets. Of course, of course, Brett, the United States of America – where I am from and where I've lived my entire life and where I 
like will die on this hill of U.S. soccer. Of course, I am taking them. What kind of a hole would not take them in this matchup? Who has a platform to go out and spread the goodwill of this game to the nation? I do not know who that a hole would be, but I pity them. So of course, I'm taking them this plus one five for a pint. <laughs> You're a real USA hole. Uh, so I am also going to take USA Iran that the first goal in this game will be scored after the 30th minute at plus 110. I'm not going all the way to the 76th minute, not going to the 91st minute like we did against Algeria, but I do think we're going to see a very frustrating first 30 minutes. I don't see a goal happening, and at that point you're getting great odds that when the goal comes, you know, you get to go to the window because there's just going to be more and more desperation as the game advances. Uh, and then finally, my favorite bet of this entire slate, USA over 5.5 corners at plus one point at, at plus what? 115, not 1.15. Though I take that too. Plus 115. Uh, I'll round that out with two non-USA bets. Messi, anytime goal scorer at minus 110. And Uruguay, Ghana, both score yes at minus 110 as well. Yeah, I mean... Toby, I'm going to be super boring, man. I'm I'm not I I am not going to show the Ayatollah in my five pint. I will do that for you. Um, I have two bets because I like both of these bets a lot. I'm going to just stick with two and have all five pints tied up in them. And the one that's going to get three, which I think I don't, I don't know if I've done three pints on one bet for a while. Um, but the under of two and a half goals in the Poland Argentina match at minus one twenty five. I just think that that is going to be such a boring match it's really hard for me to see three goals come out of there so i'm doing three pints on on one bet um which i think is the biggest i've done in a while and then the, the last one is i'm really bullish on on goals for uruguay so i'm taking that that team goals line plus 265 for two pints over two and a half team goals for uruguay because they're gonna have to score and they got the attackers to do it so that's it. I got, I'm boring. That's I got two bets. And it's all tied up in those two. So those things need to happen. Uh, you love those two bets almost as you love rooting against your own country. So that's uh, quite, quite a tip out there for the audience. If he loves it that much, you got to follow. If you him. support fascism, uh, take my bets. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy this third round of the World Cup, unless there is another format change for 2026. This is the last time we're going to see it. Starting in 2026, there's only going to be two group stage matches, which is going to be absolutely wild that you could go home after two. I'm really hoping that they uh, look at that again and we get these third round games as we should, because they're magical. Having both of them go at the same time, the stakes that are happening, the shifts of every single window, one team in ecstasy, one team in agony as they have to go home is something that is just one of the best parts of the entire world cup is this round uh, and they're going to get away you know they're going to go away from it and their infinite wisdom so fifa nails it again uh, but in the meantime we have this game tomorrow you've heard my speeches before please find somebody you love to watch this please find strangers to watch it just please go out and watch this game and have a moment hopefully hopefully that uh, is the reason we watch sports. I honestly don't know what we're doing. You know, Brett and I professionally, you and all, you guys listen to this personally. If you're not watching this game, this is what is one of the greatest things that could happen in sports. A united faction rooting uh, in a do or die game with real stakes on the line and all the people aligned and cheering for the same thing that are around you is just this electricity and this uh, momentous feeling that you gather. And But for this, I don't know why we spend our time on silly guys running around in shorts, silly 
silly guys running around in pads, silly guys running around in pants, whatever they might be wearing. I guarantee you it's silly. And we root for them to throw a ball or hit a ball or put it through a hoop or put it into a goal or put it into a net or whatever it might be. We root for that because all that time leads to moments like this. And please go take advantage of it. Screw your job. So we will be back on Friday night to talk about the knockout rounds. Uh, Whether I am in agony or ecstasy, we will know in 24 hours. But I will report for this podcast either way because the knockout rounds are going to be incredible. Brett, anything you want to say on behalf of the Ayatollah before we sign off? No, I mean, they just want me to to once again reiterate the same thing in the press conference to try to get the U.S. warship off their coast. So is that (laughs) that the only thing that I do well? You're not going to shoot? Okay. All right. He said I'm good. Okay. (laughs) All right. Lucky you, you and that silver tongue. Uh, So we will see you on Friday evening. And until then, USA, 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 USA. Play Raina. Right